0: Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers.
1: Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 43rd edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. Today, we've got a former forward, Jim Melrose, nine appearances for the Wolves, four goals when he was on loan in the 1984-1985 season. We've caught up with him in sunny Spain, I've, uh, I've, I've spoiled his holiday by ringing him. Jim, how are you? I'm faint, thanks, I'm Good, good, good. So, are you having a good time in Spain?
0: Yeah, it's great. The weather is a bit better here than what it is back home, I believe. So, yeah, the only thing I've got to look forward to is when I go home in three weeks is a fortnight's quarantine. Okay. And um, they're, they're taking more precautions over here than they are back home.
1: Listen, Strange. I, well, Jim, I've just come back from Spain, funnily enough, and I was there for three weeks now to do exactly the same, come back for two weeks quarantine, and they've, they've actually got it under control in Spain, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I mean, you go on the buses, you put hand sanitizer on. You get into the shops, to take your temperature
0: before you go in. They hand sanitize you. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, they they really are on top of it here. And where we are in Spain, there is there is very very little, if any. Um, we're about an hour and a half we're in between Murcia and um, um in Benidorm, yeah. and and there is no instances, or very little instances of of the COVID virus here at all. Really, um, and it's—I just find it strange that we can back home we can lock Leicester down and Blackburn down and Aberdeen down, yeah, but we can't lock down Barcelona and Madrid, where most of the instances are.
1: <laughs> Listen, we're going to have to come off politics because we're going to talk about your fantastic football career now, <laughs> Jim. Where, I don't think fantastic in football career because you will be winning up in the same sentence. Listen, Jim. <laughs> you, listen, Jim. You've played for some big sides, mate. Man City, Leeds, Celtic, and obviously no one bigger than the mighty Wolves. But it all started Absolutely. for you back in Absolutely. back in 1975, I believe, at Partick Thistle. Yeah. So, how did you get your opportunity <laughs> there, Jim? Um, I
0: played for Thistle when I was 12. We have. Like, in England, it was called then Associated Schoolboy Forms. We yeah. called them S-Forms, Schoolboy uh, Farms. S-form, so um, I signed for Thistle just after they won the League Cup in 1971 when I was just turned 13. Um, and uh, they had a good youth policy in terms of they would sign five kids on the U- on, on an S-Form. And the group that I played in, um, you, you won't know, um, well, you'll know one of them, Alan Hansen
1: myself.
0: Right. Um, um, Alan was a little bit older than me, obviously. Uh, Alan Hansen. there was uh, Billy Thompson who went on to play for, for Rangers and for um, for Dundee United and Thistle. Sabern, uh, a guy called Ian McDonald, Jim Kelly, and another guy called Jim Nicholson. And oddly enough, Jim Nicholson was the only guy out of the five of us who didn't make a career in it. And Thistle had this conveyor belt where as one fell off, they would bring another one on.
1: Yeah. And the
0: one after me was Mo Johnson. Oh, and so that was that was continued. That that was instigated by a guy called David McPail and then his chief scout um, Jimmy Dickey, who in later years spent twenty years with Alex Ferguson at Ma- to Manchester United.
1: Yeah. So I mean, to be honest, you, you mentioned some big names there in Partick Thistle. Obviously, they're not the biggest club, but they was producing some no. great talent.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, you know, I've always said that the barometer of Scottish football was always judged by the number of players that clubs like Patrick Thistle, Raith Rovers, and Firmland produced and sold on to the bigger clubs. Um, As you can see now, right across the board, whether it be in Scotland or England, all the big clubs are hoovering up what little talent there's left out there because there is no grassroots football. Um, In my my opinion, they took a, a very good system that didn't need fixing and broke it.
1: Yes, 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 quite, quite true. Now, you, after five years at Partick Thistle, you then move south of the border um, to Leicester. So you you come to English, well, yeah, English football. Um, you was there between 1980 and 1982. I mean, what was you? you know, was it a big move for you in terms of leaving Scotland and, you know, w- was the level completely different, Jim?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, the, 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 we'll start with the level. Moving down, if you're ambitious, um, moving anywhere to further your career shouldn't be a problem. I'm not a great advocate of homesickness, I've got to say. You've got, you've got you know, irrespective of what profession you're in, you've got two choices, you either accept it or you decline it. Yeah. If you accept it, you have to come away with the attitude that you have to assimilate into the area or where you live. You have to take on the customs, the, the peculiarities, if you like, of, of, of the area that you live in so so coming down was 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 personally was not fraught with any difficulties however having said that getting getting used to to a higher a higher level of intelligence within the players was i mean in scotland we've got a lot of part time clubs and although players have got good jobs and, and they're intelligent lads they were playing football basically for fun for pocket money and i say pocket money and, and in 1980 i was on 100 pounds a week at Partick, which was quite a lot of money then
1: yeah um, and, um, you know, you know,
0: we just had a laugh. We just went out and played. Sure, it was, it was serious, but it was semi-serious. It's a totally different ball game when it's your bread and butter. Yeah. Um, and when you come down and, and you're playing against and with some of the best players that this this, uh, this island, never mind this country, this
1: island has ever produced. Yes, yes, yes. Now, actually, I, I, I haven't checked this, but was Lineker at, uh, Gary Lineker at Leicester at the time? He was, yes. Yeah. I mean, what was Gary like to play with? He was at Leicester. Yeah. What
0: well, I mean, what was he like to play? Did he was a forward? <laughs> well, I, I always say this. Anybody who gets through their career and Disney not get booked has got a problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's about right.
0: Uh, listen, Lineker was a phenomenal goalscorer. Can't take that away from it. wasn't a natural goalscorer. He worked hard at his trade. But Gary depended on a lot of people. Um, and um, I, I don't think, if I'm being absolutely honest, that he appreciated the hard
1: work that people put in for him. Got yeah, got you got you. Did you actually ever play up front with him, Jim? Yeah, 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 yeah. More yeah. importantly, mate, he played up front with you. Now, after... That's,
0: that's very... Because I was older than him, and I was certainly better
1: looking, that's for sure. Oh, d- hey, listen, <laughs> I, re- I, I remember that flame-coloured air, Jim, definitely. Have you still got hey, it, by uh, the way? Yeah, I still
0: got it. I can remember the mullet
1: as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, obviously, then, you moved literally up the road, and you, you, you spent a, a season at Coventry as well. I mean, what was your, your experience like there?
0: Yeah, I mean... The Coventry thing was saying Gordon Milken, Jock went back to Motherwell, um, and left overnight. Never said, never came in and said cheerio to the lads that explained why he was going back. He just went. Um, Gordon Milne came in and Gordon had obviously worked with, um, with, with Tom English at Coventry before. Um, we, myself, Alan Smith, and Gary Lineker, um, and another sort of bit part player called Alan Young was. Um, was in and around the first team Um, and um, we uh, Gordon decided that he wanted to swap me for for Tom English Um, something that having met him in later life I discovered that he, he regretted the moment he did it which was good to know but serve any purpose because he did it you know um and and subsequently tried to get me back a couple of times oddly enough to get me back to leicester and it it never worked out which in those days players had no power so you didn't know who was in for you or who was interested in you yeah Uh, if if an offer came in it was a totally different structure to the bossman structure now Um, and um you know uh he decided that was it, so I went over and joined it, and to be fair, coming to the good side, Gary Gillespie, Gary Thompson, Mark Hatley, Steve Witten, um, you know, a, a real, uh, you know, Danny Thomas, a lot of good players, because the captain was the great Jerry Francis, who was possibly the nicest and best player, that I have ever played with, right. ever played with, Yeah. Um, uh, a super guy, knew the game inside out, modest for what he'd achieved in the game, just an absolute, all-round top guy um, and we we started the season very well funnily enough in fact I started my career there very well I scored a hat-trick in my home debut against really? Everton oddly enough yeah winner really? um, uh, and uh, anyway cut a long story short um, the end of that season um, Coventry all were under the uh, it's no fault of Jimmy Hill Jimmy Hill was a chairman but Coventry were not a team that, that, that had a, a huge fan base to be fair um, and you know it's sort of like subsequent bad years or previous bad years, they, yeah. they, they, they incurred losses and they had to sell a lot of the players. They sold Gary Gillespie, they sold Mark Hately, Gary Thompson, Danny Thomas, myself, just to balance the books. It's as simple as that. Right. Um. I got the op- And that's where they got the opportunity to move back to, to Celtic.
1: Well, that's the question I wanted to ask. Before, before we go on to the Celtic uh, move, what, what's interesting is you, you, you alluded to a point there where as a player back in the 80s, that, that if there was, you know, interest from another club, they wouldn't tell you. And I've spoke to so many players from the 80s who found out after the event when, yeah. you know, bids got knocked back, whereas now, the, the, you know, nine times out of ten, they speak to the player, you know, etc. etc. It's all in the yeah, mood.
0: you've got agents involved now, exactly. You, you, yeah. You've had agents involved in the game for a long time. But having said that, given the pandemic we're going through now and, and, and the financial consequences of that pandemic, on football in particular, you will find now that the pendulum is now swinging back to the clubs. Yeah. Um, because there's no money coming in, so they can't pay the big wages. Um, And that is not necessarily a bad thing for football, because I think the wages are, 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 out, of, are out of kilter. They're out of kilter with the guys on the terracing, yeah. and they're out of kilter with um, the people who own the clubs, you know?
1: And, and you know, 80s, for me, the, the you know, the 80s era... Um, you know, I I started supporting yeah. Wolves eighty eight, eighty nine, and but I I wished that that my era have in the eighties era because it was you know it was so close to the working man, the players to the working man, the people on the terraces watching the players. It, it, you know, there was a bond, wasn't there?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, you know, when I was at the Wolves, I was on five hundred and fifty quid a week. Wait, don't get me wrong; in nineteen eighty four, was 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 a lot of money. Yeah. You know, in terms of what the guy in the street was earning. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a lot less than five hundred and fifty thousand pound a week. <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> not not half. The, the the parity's not there anymore. Now, you got that big move oh. to Celtic. You're Glasgow born, Jim, and I I don't know the answer to this next question. So, you moved to Celtic. Are you Celtic or Rangers? I'm not Celtic. Oh. Are you Rangers then? I am Rangers. Wow. So you got this move to Celtic, which, uh, you know, coming from Glasgow, could have been a dream move, but listen, Celtic are a huge club.
0: Um, Oh, massive club, great club. Absolutely. Um, It just didn't work out for me. Um, I'm an East End boy. I come from... uh, 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 what, uh, what do you call it? It's the, an area in Glasgow called Deniston. Um, right. Um, I have a, I come from a blue nose family. I, I come from a mixed family. My grand, my mum's Catholic. My mum played for, uh, my mum's father played for Celtic. Um, okay. And um, uh, the war finished. My granddad. Um, so to fall on his shoes was great. Um. But uh, because I came from a blue nose family, uh, you know, Glasgow. I think it's well written, it's well known that Glasgow's had its it's not so bad now, but um, it had its own major problems then.
1: Yes.
0: Um. And I always remember. Um. You know. Um. That my favourite story. I think it, it sums it up basically. Is that I was one of my last games for Celtic was against Dundee United. Um. And it was in the League Cup and it was two each after 90 minutes and so a half decent night I'd scored twice and my father my my brother and my uncle Frankie were sitting in the stand watching the game and um, it went to penalty kicks and um, after five it's all square it goes to sudden death um, they score guess who misses this oh.
1: right
0: so this guy in the stand jumps up and he and he shouts abuse at my my parentage my religion, wow. <laughs> um, my oh. ethnicity, and my brother tapped him in the shoulder and the guy turned around my, my brother chinned him, put him on his backside, <laughs> and supporter said, what did you do that for? He said, that's my brother you're shouting at. Oh, he said, nothing personal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nothing personal, but, that, but he's give you about that, and that,
0: and that, that, Yeah, that, that kind of sums up um, what Glasgow's like, right, you know. Like you know, you get you get people who get carried away and they shout things that they maybe shouldn't shout. Um, yeah. uh, and 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 you know, I talked about earlier um, about players not knowing about transfers. You know, I went home because of a family situation. That is the honest truth. Um, we had just had my eldest boy, Jim, and my father-in-law. I'd lost my mother-in-law a year before through cancer, and my father-in-law took a very bad heart attack. Yeah. My good lady at the time was an only child and she wanted to go home celtic came in it was a perfect storm we went home a fortnight later i found rangers were in at the same time
1: oh. so
0: oh. um anyway anyway uh, listen these things are sent to test you
1: <laughs> listen, dude, i always say i always say football is the flip of a coin and i mean that story sums it up in itself where look you went back home to, to glasgow you know the city you was born Fantastic city, but then obviously it could have been Rangers, and you could have been scoring goals. Me. But Celtic, to be fair, you got you oh, yeah. Got...
0: Listen, listen. The Celtic are a great club, yeah. and, um, and don't get me wrong. I had a lot of great nights here, and it wasn't every Celtic supporter. It was only a a, a percentage, as is normal, as is normal yes. with all these yeah. things. As a club, I will speak no ill of Celtic. They were absolutely magnificent with me. The manager Davy Hay was brilliant. The players I'd all known, and they were superb. Um, it just didn't work out for me, and and part of that problem, and honestly, would probably be that the club was too big for me. I should have been big enough to take whatever was being said to me, yeah. Brush it down and get on with. It. I didn't. I didn't. I took it personally, you know. Um, and um, uh, you know, when you start taking things personal, that's when you start having problems. Yeah. And uh, and that's what that's when the breakdown started.
1: Right now. At Celtic, you—you uh, was—I mean, it was a successful period. You was runner-up in the Scottish Cup, the League Cup. So you yeah. know, in that particular season, that's it, yeah,
0: not successful. it's Coming second in Scotland's not good. Oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> sorry. So it was an unsuccessful season at Celtic then. <laughs> Pardon? I, I said sorry. So so you know, coming runners-up then in Scotland isn't good, is it? It was an unsuccessful no, season. Abs-
0: absolutely, absolutely not. It's first or nothing.
1: Oh, right please come with us on nothing now the big move come in your career um it was a, a lone move to Wolves in the in 84-85, which to be fair to Wolves, we we and, and obviously jim you, you literally uh, you literally jumped onto a, a sinking ship you know we just got relegated from the first division we was bottom of the second division we subsequently got relegated and had you know three successive relegations you you joined the club really at a time where um, it, Obviously we was in ill fortune You scored four goals in nine appearances Which is a fantastic yes. return But how did you actually hear about uh, Or come to hear uh, About the move to Wolves? Well I just went out to training
0: one Thursday um, And David, David here, the manager, said to me Look, how do you fancy going to Wolves on loan? They told me once you take it He says, go in for a couple of months Go in for a month and see what happens I said, yeah, great almost um, have been in England before um, it was in an area not too far removed from Leicester so it's in the Midlands um, Wolves are a great club um, and um, you know I, I, I knew Puffer uh, we Danny Craney who was at Celtic when I was there
1: yes Danny Craney um, yeah
0: yeah so um, yeah so uh, I yeah, I thought, yeah, why not? You know, it's better than playing. I mean, I'd been playing reserve team football and, and, and scoring goals, han- seriously scoring goals hands over fists. It was like a hat trick every second week. I was chugging at a bit for first team f- football, chance to re establish and maybe get people to, to have a look at me again. Yeah, let's yes. go. Cool. Um, and, and, and decided to come down. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, came down on the Friday. Um, to try and get a medical to get me to play against Charlton on the Saturday. Yeah. And some twat ran into the back of me uh, on the oh, and the yeah, A74 I... on the way down. <laughs> and that was the end so of it.
1: Yeah,
0: I was late. I was late getting to to Molineux, and um, um obviously. Uh, through the medical um, and signed up for the the,
1: the game next week. Now, now, let me get this. Was it Charlton or was it Birmingham? I'm, I'm sure if it was the Charlton. Actually, you? your debut, I believe, was Oxford away.
0: Well, my debut, I came on as a sub at Middlesbrough.
1: Right, because I've got, I've been looking through the record books, um, and I've got Oxford away was your first game, and then Birmingham at home. Um, you, er... Uh, I right,
0: that's right, that's right. Was that a nothing each draw or a
1: one each draw? I believe so. This is a... Uh, it, the, 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 the funny thing was at Wolves at the time, in that Birmingham... I mean, how, what was the crowd you was playing at in front of at Celtic? Well,
0: the, 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 the main stand, the Waterloo Road stand, was closed.
1: Yeah, but... but what? You had, now, the South Bank... The South Bank was, um, it was the North Bank the little one and the South Bank the big one? Yeah, yeah, so you had the North Bank one side which... Yeah, uh, so the John Island
0: stand was open, the John yeah. Island stand was open, and the, South and the main Bank. stand was closed, because that was made of wood.
1: That's right. Now, ha- what uh, the question I was asking, So you know when you was at Celtic, what was the crowd you was playing in front of? Oh, 27, 28, 30,000, something
0: like that on an average.
1: Because obviously, when you come to Wolves, there was sixteen and a half thousand for the Birmingham game, which which was yeah. a, was a big crowd that season. But the average attendance was about you know six seven thousand. I mean, yeah. that's the time at Wolves. You know, obviously the attendance has dropped. Obviously, for but that, was, that
0: East... wasn't necessarily down. Just, that wasn't necessarily down to the players. Oh
1: no, 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 not that at all. Was to,
0: that was down to the Batty brothers wanting to destroy the club. Right. Listen, you know, I, I mean, if I remember rightly, they wanted to knock that down and put the eyes ASDA. That is there now, where the
1: football ground was, if I remember right. Yeah, I, I think I I, I spoke to a, a, a well, the vice chairman at the time, Doug Hope at the club. And we did a podcast with him, and it it was quite eye opening actually, because I I I I was under the impression that the that the batties were out to, you know, destroy the club, but but as it happened, Doug assured me that the, the council, um, they basically the sale of the land, uh, where where Asda is now was to. Uh, it, it didn't actually go through at the time But if it had gone through Then the club would have had money And the batties bought the club On the pretense that they could have sold that land To, to Asda or to whichever supermarket And it never actually happened But, but, but that, that,
0: that, that doesn't fit in With, with the financial restrictions that it put on the club Oh no Because you know if, if that's what they wanted If they seen their golden egg
1: as being that Then yeah.
0: surely You would have come out at the time and said Look, this is what I want to do Right? This yeah. is what we're going to earn our money, but we're going to fund the club properly. And, and you know, when you look at when, when I was at, at the Wolves, we could take in our own tea bag, we take in our own biscuits, we could take we take our kit home every night and wash it and bring yeah. it back. That's Stop. not the actions of somebody that it's that, that's, oh. that's that's got the best, the best interest of the club at heart.
1: Listen, Jim, I agree with you wholeheartedly because there was no funds in place, and there was relying on those funds to run the club. Now that is no way to do it, and like you said, if you're taking your kit home and and the stands are dilapidated and you know there's no investment on the pitch, it was only going to go one way. Of
0: course, it is. Of course, it is. so, so somebody's being disingenuous by saying, "Oh yeah, they, 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 you know, it's, it's not what you say that matters. It's what you do." There's a lot of people, a lot of people who. Um, who talk to walk? There's very few talk you know walk yeah. the talk. That you've really got your axes there, and it's it's what happened to wolves and where they went from there to the fourth division before yeah. Sir Jack came in and
1: rescued them. And, and from your and point, of, right. from your point of view, Jim, you've just alluded to the point where you know you was taking out your own training kit and washing it. I mean, what was it like being at the club at that particular time? I, I'm going to see this, right?
0: I'm going to see this. I've been in some good dress.
1: Rooms, yeah. Right,
0: and and and, and let, let let me let me let, let me get rid of one. Let me get rid of one another one sort of one fallacy about dressing rooms yeah. about it being an area of nirvana where everybody gets on with everybody. a Lot of bollocks, right? Yeah. You know, there's people in the dressing room that you wouldn't cross the road to really? say hello, right? But there's a professional respect, okay? Yeah. Now, in all the dressing rooms, and I've been in a lot of good dressing rooms, and and. The best wrestling I've ever been in was Wolves. Wow. Well, now that means... Because wow. we, had, we had a bunker mentality. We had a bunker. Me and you, everybody was against us, right? Yeah. Um, and we had Pender, we had John Humphreys, we had Burridge, we had a young Timmy Flower, we had Danny Craney, um, you know, Alan Ainsworth, um, Alan Dodds. Alan
1: D- Jeff we had a Thomas. lot of strong cast. Jeff Palmer was there, wasn't he, Jim?
0: Yeah, Jeff Palmer, yeah. Big Jeff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know,
1: Um, who'd obviously won two
0: Mel Mel was there for a little bit as well. Mel was
1: there for a little while as well when I was there. Okay, Melly, Dave Barnsey and Cartwright?
0: Yeah, Cartwright, yeah. No, um, Bubbles, who was Bubbles? The new player. Can't remember his name.
1: Bubbles? Yeah, that was his nickname. Little midfield player he was.
0: Lovely little footballer he was.
1: Oh, bubble! Young I mean, David sure. Haywood, he
0: was there as well, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. In
0: fact, um, I mean, there was, a, there was a lot. There was a lot of half decent players. Now, when I went there, if I remember rightly, like, we were nowhere near the bottom of the league. We we were holding our own, you know. We beat Crystal Palace.
1: Yeah.
0: We took we took Southampton to a two ease draw down at
1: the Dell. Yeah, actually, you scored two goals in the Southampton game, and you scored in the yeah. Palace game, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to think the wee guy up front, Tony, We beat. I scored the, score the winner against Portsmouth at Portsmouth. Tony Evans. Um, Tony Evans, yeah, we beat Tony Evans. I mean, I, I remember, we we beat, we beat Oldham 3-2 two, two, and Tony scored a hat-trick. I mean, yeah, we're right. it, it, it could be. If any supporters, well, we're going to have loads of supporters listening to this. If you can uh, tweet me and let, let me and Jim know who Bubbles is, by the way, because that would be interesting.
0: In, you know, there was there was a lot of young players. I mean, we 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 as a manager. We yeah. had Jim Jim Barron as first team coach, and then Frank Upton as well, right? Yeah. Frank was that was a Londoner. So was Jim. There was a lot of banter. The dock was an old fashioned manager, um, and what I liked about the dock was that. He was, he was black or white, there was no grey areas, he either liked you or he didn't, he either rated you or he didn't, you know, yeah. you knew exactly where you stood with him, um, and I was fortunate that he quite liked me, so I got a bit to see the training and, and bits and bobs and, 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 and it was always my regret, although I moved on to City, it was always my regret that that I never got to finish what I started at World, well because I, I you know, Tommy, Tommy loved me, and and. I think I've probably, over over the nine games, it's probably the best nine games I've played in my career, and I think, I know memory does strange things to all players, because there's a saying that the older you get, the better you wear. and yeah. um, I I don't, I don't, once I found my feet at, after the Birmingham game, um, at the Wolves, I, I, I don't think I can remember playing a bad game, you know? Um, and and I I thought we had something now, I know that the doc tried everything. Because my last game was against Cardiff when I ended up in the New Cross Hospital because the big that half put me to sleep. Um oh God. And um, you know, and when I said say that I know the doc tried everything to get the batteries to pay forty grand because the doc the doc had somebody lined up to buy me. There's no doubt about that, right? Right. Um and and the club could have made money out of it. And he said, look, give me 40 grand, to get, you know, 40 grand, that's what I want. And they wouldn't give him it. So again, that flies in the face of, of what you have just said about the club making money. The batteries would have made money. The club
1: wouldn't have made money. Well, I, I'm going to give you an interesting statistic, Jim, um, from your time at the club. Uh, league games, the, the games you played in in the league, played seven, won three, drew three, lost one. Now that's not relegation form. And you you was at the club, Absolutely. you was at the club, um, between the September and the the November of the 1984. Um, Subsequently, from the 17th of November, 84, to the 13th of April, 1985 of that season, we went 1,002 minutes without scoring a goal at Molyneux. That's incredible. 1,002 minutes without scoring a goal, which tells me if they had paid that 40,000 pounds for you, um, that could have been the difference. <laughs> and you, in fact, yeah, 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 that, that's fine. But
0: if my mother had tasted, she'd be my father, wouldn't she? You? you know what I mean? Really make them bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember I was at City, and, and not long after we, we played City on we City played Wolves, well, on Boxing Day um, at Main Road, and we won four nil. Right. Um, and. Um, a couple of days later, Gordon Smith and I, who's a big body, um, <clears throat> we went into Wilmslow, and the McDonald's in Um uh, and then we go, and the guy behind the counter, would you believe, came from Tipton, was a Wolves fan, right, right. Um, now this would be—I will tell you what—I I got that wrong. This would be, this would probably be—it was—it was a close season. This happened, it happened. right. It was a close. Season. Um, and Gordon and I went in, uh, and this guy said to me. How are you doing, Jim? have a thing. He said, if you had left the wolves, you wouldn't have got relegated. And I thought, what a nice thing to play to say," But not entirely true. Do you know what I mean? But but what a nice thing for somebody to say to anybody. You know? I
1: think the reality is, Jim, I think the reality is if if we I'm not saying you'd have kept us up, but the reality is, if you'd have kept that vein of, of, of goal scoring for that season and we had have invested in you, it may have been different. And 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 clearly history shows that when we didn't invest in the strike force, we didn't score goals.
0: Absolutely. I mean, as I say, again, getting back to what you said t- 15 minutes ago, that flies in the face of what anybody could put a d- as a defence up for the batties. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, look, I'll, you get, know, it. And,
0: and let's I'll get, get it. Let's get it right. I mean, there's there's no point in beating around the bush here. What happened to the, the demise of the Wolves was down to one family. End of.
1: Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, it... it once again, you know, there's so many ways of looking at this And it was such a sad time because from your point of view, Jim The Wolves are a huge club and you know it And, you know, you can yeah. see what they achieved in the 70s The very early 80s, you know, European football the won yeah. the League Cup, etc yeah. so, I've got to say,
0: I've got to say a wee addendum here I played for a youth team called Eastercrites in Glasgow And yeah. we were, we had five Scottish schoolboy internationals in the one team Right? Yeah. We were we were exceptional. We went from 11 to 16, and never got beat. Simple as that. Wow. Right.
1: Um,
0: uh, we were Glasgow. We came from the east end of Glasgow, and and we used to go down to Telford. Would you believe yeah. to the uh, to the army base there? Yeah. Um, and I always remember '74, and it was the old stand where well, the John Ireland stand used to be. I, I don't know if you remember the stand that was there prior to the that. The Molyneux no. Street
1: stand. Yeah, it was yeah. a
0: horrible. It was like it was like a pig. It was like a pig shed. Do you know what I mean? And it was sunk <laughs> yeah. into the ground. And we got tickets to go and watch the wolves play.
1: No, no. I need my dates right here because Derek Dugan was playing. Yeah. Um,
0: Mike Mike Bailey was playing. Yeah. Francis Monroe was playing. Oh, what a player! Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I could be wrong. I tell you, I tell you, Terry Hibbert played. Kenny Hibbert. So. That's when I fell in love with the Wolves
1: because wow. Wolves
0: have always been my, have always been my my team in, in England. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a big City fan now because obviously I lived in Cheshire for a long time, but yeah. um, I, you know, after the Rangers, the Wolves were were. Um, were, were my next port of call um, and I did know that there, there is there is there is a there used to be a great affiliation between the Wolves and the Rangers as well I believe yeah. you know they used to play preseason games etc um, and and um, you know, and, that, and that's, I go back to that, uh, and that was the first live English game that I saw, and that would be 73-ish, I would guess. Yeah, well,
1: listen, if, um, if that, that, that that works, because if Bailey, Hibbett, Munro, and uh, the Duke were playing, that would have been about 73-74, because obviously all four of those played in, in the uh, the League Cup final in 74, so that's... You know,
0: You know, the dad's thing about remembering all these players, it makes me feel every one of my 61 years, you know.
1: Hey Jim, you certainly don't look it. I mean, um, that's another point I I wanted to come back to. Tommy Doherty, now Tommy, um, you know, love him or hate him, I think he was a bit Marmite, but he made a comment when he came to Wolves, and and listen, Tommy was a great character, a great joker, and I think one of his comments were... When he first arrived at the club, um, he walked into the trophy cabinet, and two Japanese prisoners of war came out. I mean, he was carried yeah. to one, e Tommy. Absolutely, he, he does,
0: I mean, I remember uh, going to make my debut. We uh, go play uh, Middlesbrough, yeah, and um, we stopped at the Vicar the at Scott's Corner at the roundabout, if you know, on the A1. Uh, yeah. And we go in, we go, we go in there, and, and as was normal in those days, the manager always gets served first, okay? Yeah. So the waiter comes in and um, he puts Tommy's fillet steak down on the table and he says, "What about vegetables, Mister Dockett?" He said, i give them beans and toast." So <laughs> he was <laughs> <laughs> the doc was something else. Do you know what I mean? He was just, he was. as you say, He was man mate. He was. He was just something else. Yeah. Um, you know and and, and he, there was no grey areas with them. it was black or white you know you fell into a, a pigeon hole and that's it um, sometimes that's a feeling most times it's not um, but I think that, that had the doc been able to to keep myself and bring in other players yeah. um, to augment and, and, and bolster what we had because we had a lot of young players with a lot of potential who, who played on confidence and when you, like you said, you know, hadn't scored a goal for a thousand minutes, that yeah. plays on no matter who you are, that plays on your confidence. Of course um, it does. I think the Dot would have done because Sammy Chapman was the assistant manager, the Irish guy who came in yes, afterwards. Yes, Sammy Chapman, yeah. Sammy was Sammy, um, and Sammy was, he was a good guy as well. So, so you a you, good eclectic mix of, of the hard man and Jim and Frank because yeah. they were like strict disciplinarians and you the sarkiness of 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 um of Tommy and um and you had the knowledge of Sammy you know yeah. they were they were a good mix
1: you know and it, I, I think you know it's such a sad time for the club but you know what thank you for representing us Jim because we do appreciate it and it was a successful spell um another proud moment for you as well as a proud Scott uh eight caps I believe for the uh, Scotland under-21 team And two goals Between 77 and 80 I mean There must be no Prouder moment Than, than pulling on The Scotland shirt Jim
0: Yeah I mean I, I was lucky I got capped At every level Up to Up to be International um, But was it Quite good enough For for the big picture um, a, a lot of, i say Yeah, yeah a, a lot of, A lot of, um, A lot of Pride A lot of pleasure In doing it But a wee bit of resentment, a wee bit of disappointment that I just couldn't bridge that gap between B international and full international. Yeah. Um, but then again, you look at the players around. was When I was there, Andy Gray, Kenny Delglish, Charlie <laughs> yes. coming in. I just, you know, that was in the days when Scotland produced footballers. You yes. know what I mean? Now we don't.
1: So you have just you've just made a point earlier as well that that Man City is is obviously one of your English teams and you joined them in 84 85 once again that was a good move for you wasn't it Jim Yeah it was um and um
0: you know again uh, a lot of good players um Mick McCarthy, Paul Power, um, Alec Williams, Andy May, Stevie Kinsey, Gordon Smith, Neil McNair, a lot of really good um, seasoned professionals. Um, and, and, and we were lucky to get, we got a result on the last day of the season, which which a lot of people remember as the day of the Bradford Fire, May the 11th and 85. Right. Um, right. Uh, which is one of those days where you'll always remember where you were. Um, yes, yes. And a lot of people needlessly lost their life. Yeah. Um, you know, we got we got promotion, <clears throat> um, and then um, uh, the manager decided that um, you know that, that several of us weren't good enough for the first division, and we'd actually been good enough to get you there, yeah. but wouldn't give us the opportunity to prove that we're good enough to play there to stay there. Um, so I fell out with the manager, and that was it finished. You know. <laughs> That's the end of that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't help when you, you get them carried off in a training game. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, from your point of view, Jim, you know, playing with like someone like Mick McCarthy, you went on to manage Wolves. Now, Mick, could you see him as a bit of a leader then, and could you have seen the career that he'd go? Oh, and, Mick! 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 Mick was always
0: a leader. Mick was always a leader. Yeah, you always knew Mick was. Mick was a was a student of the game. Make no mistake about that. Um, Mick had his own ideas, um, and the one thing Mick wouldn't put up with was lack of effort. That's the one thing, and that's that's key. In, in, in any industry that you're in, if you want to be successful, you need to put the effort in. Because there's a great saying: the only place where success comes before work. Yeah. Sorry, sort of say that again. Uh, um, where where um, sort of like where work comes before success. Is yeah. in the dictionary.
1: Yeah.
0: Simple as that. Yeah um I, I, and you could see that mick was 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 um you know the wheels were turning and he was learning as he went along and, and he knew what he wanted and he set his own standards and more importantly he led by example yes he led by example you know and, and what i'll say about mick, mick it, to me i've never been in a dressing room with Mick, but he always strikes me as being a players man because he was always a players man in the dressing room
1: wow wow and once again very successful manager at the Walls now um, you then it was 85 to 87 Charlton 87 Leeds 87 to 90 Shrewsbury 90 ended at Macclesfield Town the point I want to yep. get to is Jim you know you played for a lot of clubs you, you know you played at the highest level it, after football um, you know what 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 jobs did you do after football because there's a question I want to come <laughs> listen, to listen that, that's
0: the difficulty
1: the, the difficulty with
0: football is just finding yourself yeah um, you know I knew from about eight years of age I was better than anybody else. Yeah. Right? And that, that, that's, that's no being big-headed. That is a fact. You, you know that you're better.
1: Yeah, you've got that talent. Go through,
0: the, through the ages. The fact that you play for your school team, you play for Glasgow schools, you play for Scotland schools, that tells you you've reached targets. Yeah. So you, you've got to live, you live your life from eight years of age, nine years of age, to me at 33 being a somebody. Yeah. Okay? Football sucks you in it churns you up yeah. and it throws you at the other end yeah. and it says Away you go. On your bike, you've you've served your time, you're institutionalised now, piss off. Deal, right? Yeah. Um and the difficulty is 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 to this day, and I say this to people and people laugh at me. There's nothing to be the thing you miss the two things you miss most about footballers A the dressing room yeah. and B walking down the tunnel at five to three wanting to throw up want to go to the toilet and then when you get to the end of the tunnel and you hear the crowd roar it flips into adrenaline.
1: Yeah,
0: you don't get that rush anymore gone. somebody turns your excitement switch off boom gone end off right um, you then come out of football and you have people looking at you um, because you are in football and you can introduce them to various people or various players within the game Yeah. And they take you in, and they, they make you all sorts of promises, and yeah. they don't they don't um, they don't fulfil them. You introduce them to people, they strip you out of, of, of contacts, and then they yeah. they throw you away. Um, the, the most footballers are, are are not unintelligent; they're just uneducated. So you have to learn as you go along. Yeah. Um, and the difficulty is is finding something that. Um, I mean, being a footballer is being self-employed. You make your decisions on the park, and nobody else. Yeah. So you make a good pass, make a bad pass. You score a goal, you miss a chance. You miss a tackle. You do whatever. You're making those. They're corporate decisions on the football park. And when you come off of that, and you get some idiot trying to tell you what to do, um, does not. You can't. You can't reconcile the two. Do you know what I mean? So you what, kind of, it's very difficult.
1: What jobs have you done since football, Jim? Out of football,
0: so, I, I, like most, like most footballers, um, you initially get invited into insurance.
1: Um, <laughs> right.
0: I quickly discovered that that wasn't for me. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, I messed about with that for two or three. I retired in nine. So I messed about with that for probably about four years, Yeah. and then I got myself a—I got myself one of the very first um, FIFA um, agents' licences.
1: Yes, I remember. Yeah, he was an agent. Yeah. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. Um, I had clients. The three big clients that I had were Neil Lennon, who I took to Leicester. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, Steve Lomas who I took to West Ham. Yeah. Uh, and Paul Lambert, who I took to. Borussia Dortmund then brought him back to Celtic
1: oh, I didn't know you was Paul uh, Lambert's agent because obviously Paul was yeah, another yeah. manager of Wolves
0: yeah 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 um and um anyway cut a long story short we um when I took um Neil to Leicester Martin asked me to become chief scout um which I did yeah and was there until he left in in 90 um and then in '90, I went into went to work for a finance house in Manchester, um, and they they were producing um, insurance wrap for for transfers. So basically, when you when you buy a player, you buy an instalment, which the issue what they call promissory notes, so you can wrap that right. against default, etc. Yeah. Um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So it was there until the crash, um, um, I, I, and and been in and out of, out of finance ever since. Um, uh, went to Bolton Wanderers with Neil as head of recruitment in fifteen. Yeah. Um, but quickly discovered that that was another club that was on a downward spiral twice as quick as as Wolves. Um, yeah. And um, had a fallout with the chairman because he made he made certain promises in terms of wage structures and transfer uh, funds. Uh, um. And uh, without at into too much detail, um turned out to be pie in the sky. Right. Um I decided that that's not for me, you know. Um uh, and I left I left there in I left there I was there. I went I went there in, in December fourteen, and left or on November fourteen and left in in, in September fifteen um it was an impossible job um and you just need to see what's happened to them now um, yeah. and that explains um the slippery slope they were on um so i, I do i do quite a bit of, of project finance now um i work with a london bank yeah and um i've got myself involved in a a uh disinfectant product that um, right. um Lasts a lot longer than your average fifteen minutes. It last up to a week, seven. Uh, well, cycle like up to ten days. Okay. So we're, we're working hard at getting that out because it's it's an effective uh, tool against uh, against COVID. Right. Um. We can we can not only can we kill it, but we can give you what they call efficacy for ten days, which is protection for ten days. So basically, we clean, we sanitize, and we protect. All over a 10-day period yeah
1: yeah
0: um so if somebody walks into your house jason boring you and they've got they've got whether it's the flu or any kind of virus
1: yeah and um,
0: the house is totally, uh, your office is totally sanitized yeah and um if they come in with it they leave with it without leaving anything any infection trail behind them wow so we, we are, we are, we are we're, we're currently working on that at the moment um along with um with the various, um, various financial structures that we've got um, and, in terms of finance. And, and so I'm quite busy.
1: I was just going to say, do you, do you ever miss the buzz of, of football and scoring goals and the crowd going wild? Of course you
0: do. Of course you do. Of course you do. You know, as like I said earlier, there is a great saying that, that the older you get, the better you are You yeah, know, yeah, you forget yeah. all your bad games. you know. Um, occasionally you see things popping up on... Um, on um, uh, on facebook um and, and one funny story um about one of the goals that's on facebook is that
1: yeah.
0: when i was at charlton i, I scored what was acknowledged as, as, the, as the quickest goal in the english first division yeah um, which was 7 seconds at
1: west ham and they had the kick off yeah um and
0: it was the thirtieth anniversary in in October 16. And somebody put it on, on on Facebook et cetera, et cetera. Well, not long after that I did a, I did a thing for with Manchester City Old Boys who I played with yeah. all the way through after retirement. And we played um, we played uh, Coronation Street, oddly enough. We yeah. played every year. Um, and there was a, a big Q and A afterwards, about two or three hundred people at it. And one of the, the last questions of the night was what's your biggest achievement in football? And, um, you know, Alec Williams was there, Andy May was there, Paul Perlman were saying this and, that. and it came to me and I said, well, not a lot of people know this. I said, but I scored the quickest goal ever in English football. I said, it was seven seconds and West Ham had the kickoff. I says, and when I went home that night to the wife, she said, how did it go today, Jim? I says, oh, great, love. I says, I scored in seven seconds. She says, that's nothing to brag about. That happens three times a week here. <laughs>
1: Oh my God! Living legend. Well, that's not the truth. Um, and, and Jim, Jim, listen. From your career, you played a lot of games and scored a lot of goals. If there's one abiding memory from your entire career that you always look back on and wished you could relive the moment, what moment would it be? Oh, relive the moment! Oh bye. Hopefully not not something that lasted seven seconds. No. Oh. <laughs>
0: Um, oh sugar I mean I, listen I, I was lucky I, for 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 an average player I scored the winner at Anfield I scored the winner at, to end five years of undefeated home run for Liverpool uh, I scored the, I scored the, the winner against Manchester United on a couple of occasions wow but if there's, if there's if there's if there's if there's one thing if there's one thing that I would like to relive yeah it would be my first goal or my second goal for Manchester City. Yeah. Where I hit one from the halfway line. Wow. And the reason for that is it was never filmed. It was it was voted as the greatest goal ever scored at Main Road prior to. So it was an absolute fluke. Just right. Let's make no mistake about it. It was one of the <laughs> ones that. Yeah. Had a million times it
1: would have went into the terrace and it went at the ground nine hundred ninety nine thousand times. You know. Yeah.
0: But this one day it flew into the back of the net. Right. and that's that's the one thing that I would I would just like to see to see if it's as good as I remember it. because when everybody talks about that goal it's, it's just amazing it gets further and further and further and further, <laughs> further out <I> mean, <laughs> you know what I mean I'm fair, currently Jim, in
1: Macclesfield I believe to be fair Jim it was a great <laughs> right, goal kick it. you took pardon I said to be fair Jim it was a great goal kick you took
0: Aye, exactly, exactly, <laughs> but, you know, so, aye, so, uh, so, uh, only because I, 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 I never never, but, but as I say, you know, I've got one regret, if, I, if I've got one regret in my life, Yeah. is that, is that I didn't get the opportunity to stay at the rules, oh. because I genuinely believe that, uh, that, um, that we could have had a decent side, um, with the players that we had there. Yeah. And, and you, you look at that, you look at Ainsworth, you look at Humphreys and Pender, who I played with at Charlton. Yeah. Alan Dodds, Budgie bodies was mental. Young Timmy Flowers, you know, they, there was players there, there was an abundance of ability there. Yeah. They just needed, they needed something that could bring it all together. Yeah. And I just think that in, in, in the two months that I was there, there was a unity there that I have never, never,
1: felt sense um, in the direction. Wow Well Jim thank you for your kind words um, thank you for representing our great club um, sorry you know you, you didn't make the move permanent because if you had it and I'm sure you would have been a, a, a great piece in the jigsaw which obviously fixed the mess we were in um, you know what a great career you've had Jim thank you for coming on the Wolf Whistle today uh, and I wish you uh, wish you well and enjoy the rest of your holiday and thanks for chatting to us
0: it's been a pleasure Jason thank you very much
1: thanks Jim